Good evening, and welcome to another installment of Blue HQ Media's Wildly Inappropriate. I'm Aaron Coffey, joined tonight by Dalton and Matt. We've what got up? some good news, some bad news. I guess we'll just go ahead and get it started. So, guys, what uh, what did you think of the surprise McAfee announcing that he was retiring out of nowhere? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things I thought. Uh, you know, he's kind of been hitting at it, you know, because uh, you know some of his Twitter posts he puts, I don't know how much longer I'll be kicking these foosballs, but I sure do love it. So it was kind of always in the back of my mind, but when, when he says that, I was like, okay, five, six years. Uh, it, it stunned the hell out of me because I got a, a text message this morning says, you see it at McAfee retired. I, 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 my actual response to him was, shut the fuck up. You're a liar. <laughs> But then I get on Facebook, of course, it's everywhere. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm completely stunned, and it's disappointing. I uh, I was in my car, actually, on the way home last night. It was, it was pretty late, and I saw – the first thing I saw was the score update. And uh, asked my asked my fiancé, I, I think I screamed like like a little girl in the car. I was, I was devastated. Uh, Pat McAfee is one of my favorite players to ever don the uniform. And I'm not sure if you guys got a chance to watch the video in which he did it, but the, the video itself was hilarious. And if you had just seen the video, you would have thought it was a joke, but it was just Pat being Pat. It was it was hands down one of the funniest ways I've ever seen somebody retire from the game. Well, for sure. Yeah, the, the video was absolutely classic. Uh, between Greg Olson uh, making fun for it being a press release or press conference and uh, him talking about holding uh, – or holding Vinatieri's balls, pretty classic <laughs> Pat McAfee. And honestly, if I was watching it last night live, I or I probably would have uh, thought it was a big joke too. But, uh, you know, it really didn't set in until an actual release from uh, Colts.com came in. And I'm like, son of a bitch, this is real. Uh, so I cried. I soiled myself. And uh, I feel better now. But, I, you know, I got to tell you a funny story about McAfee. And it kind of sets the tone for the type of guy he is. It was his rookie year, 2009. I actually happened to go to the very first practice at training camp that year and uh, had a little interaction with them. This was back when uh, training camp was still in Terre Haute. And uh, they had two separate fields set up. So the offense and defense was on one field, and the special teams was on another field. So I see our new punter over there. And uh, I always liked Hunter Smith a lot because he's a Notre Damer. Uh, so I see our new punter over there kicking. And I'm with my buddy Beaver. That's his real name. I'm not bullshitting. Uh, I go over and uh, I, 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 I'm like, I'm going to go heckle Pat a little bit. So he's kicking balls. I was like, hey, Pat, I said, why don't you kick it over that fence? He's like, man, he goes, if I do that, they're going to give me a free ticket to Y. I swear to God. So, and, and, you know, he was just bullshitting back and forth with us. Here I am, a 19-year-old kid. He's a rookie in the NFL. It was just super cool, you know, kind of a surreal moment to uh, – you know, a lot of times you don't get those one-on-one react interactions with uh, with players, especially when they're supposed to be practicing. So uh, he's always just been a down-to-earth guy. I've met him several times and uh, never been disappointed. Yeah, Pat was absolutely outspoken in, 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 in everything he did, whether it be social media or, you know, talking to the actual media. You know, he didn't really have much of a filter. And I think that's one of the things I liked most about him is the guy, you know, after, after Grigson was fired – you know, he had a little bit of a Twitter war with some other analysts, and it's just great to see a guy who was just so outspoken. You don't want to see, you know, some guy who's like a robot out there. You you want to see that 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 interaction. You want to see him gelling with the community, and I think he did just that. Guys, I have uh, two two quick stories on McAfee. You know, 
Uh, Matt, you had yours. I've been to a couple different training camps over the last few years, and McAfee was always that guy who, no matter what, he would take the time to talk to fans, sign autographs, and just be a genuine person. You know, the first time that I ever really met Pat, there uh, there was a kid, probably five or six years old, you know, standing up by the fence, and he was yelling out, you know, like kids do, you know, Pat, Pat, Pat. And uh, McAfee stopped, and he looked at him, and he was like, what's your name? And the kid said, Ryan. And Pat looked back at him, he's like, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. And uh, they, they kind of shared a laugh, and Pat walked over and picked the kid up and let him out on the field. And uh, the kid wanted his football signed, and he had asked Pat if he would punt it to him. So, of course, Pat said, you know, go over there, you know, 10, 15 yards. And sure enough, he kicked the ball to the kid, and then he signed it and lifted him back over the fence. And it was just really cool to see, you know, him do something like that for a kid. And then the uh, the second time, I uh, it was the last training camp I went to. It was last year. Um, you know, I went with a buddy, Evan, and uh, we're standing there, and he's got a poster that they hand out. And I got this, you know, football that I'm trying to get signed. And uh, so, you know, we're both reaching out. You guys know how it is, and most fans know how it is at training camp. And uh, Pat just happens to grab my football and, you know, autographs it and hands it back, and he doesn't see my buddy's poster. So he, he goes down the line, and my buddy looks at me, and he's like, you dick. You know, he, he missed my poster. So just dicking around, I yell out. I'm like, hey, Pat, you saw my buddy's stuff so he's not mad at me? Never in a million years thinking that he would hear me or respond or even look my way. You know, he's 10, 15 feet away from me at this point with crowds of people, and he hears me, and – he turns around and he's like, what was that? And I said, well, you saw my buddy's poster, so he's not mad at me. And he said, well, who's your buddy? And I said, uh, right here, his name's Evan. So he stopped what he was doing and came all the way back, signed his poster, had a conversation with him, and he went on his way. I mean, McAfee, man, he's the kind – it's it's really sad this year. You know, the Colts have lost two great players and great people in the community, and Robert Mathis and Pat McAfee. The last true horseshoe guys, you know. Uh, kind of the conversation we were having before the podcast went on is, is you know, Ursay and 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 Grigson and and Chuck always talk about these horseshoe guys. You can really say that that Robert Mathis and Pat McAfee were probably the last two guys that represented the horseshoe the right way. I mean, you could probably make an argument for Jack Doyle and uh, Andrew Luck, of course, but I mean, these are guys that uh, were act community. Uh, played their ass off and, and would just always represent the, themselves and the city and the team with class and grace. So, uh, yeah, that, that hurts more than his play on the field, you know. And the good thing is he's staying close to Indianapolis. He's actually staying in Indianapolis. But, you know, not being able to watch him on Sundays, that that, that sucks completely. Well, well I, don't know if you, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but to talk about those the old horseshoe guys, a lot of those players are still in or around Indianapolis you know, working for the community, doing things for the community, you know, and it's just Marlon Jackson, Ryan Deem, you know, Gary Brackett, all these guys are still huge members of this community. And it just goes to show you that those guys were more than just football players. You know, they were more than your athletes that you watched on Sunday. And if they got traded or they left, you know, so be it. They became part of this thing that was much larger. It was like a you know, like a family. Everybody would gather around on Sundays and root for him, and it was genuine. It wasn't, you know, oh, well, 
if they lose a couple games, I'm going to not, you know, renew my season tickets. It was just, it was heartfelt and it was something special. And hopefully Chris Ballard can get us back to that. Yeah. McAfee, I mean, absolutely hell of a guy, you know, Matt, you said, you know, not just off or on the field, but off the field as well. Um, uh, it was a story that a lot of people probably weren't fully aware of because Pat wasn't the type to take, you know, all the credit for, you know, things he did. But, uh, you know, December of last year, Pat McAfee went and paid the electric bills of 115 families in the, in the Indianapolis area, you know, went and paid them off. And people woke up to phone calls, you know, saying thanks for your, your payment. And, you know, they just weren't sure what happened. They just know they had this – this payment made, you know, Pat, Pat did a lot, you know, he had his lows in Indianapolis, you know, everyone knows the canal story and he, you know, he's had his highs, but he's sticking around, you know, he's doing his thing with Barstool uh, sports. And there's, you know, at, at this point in the game with it being so fresh, you know, you hate to speculate, but you know, it's not like Pat said that a return to football was not ruled out. Like, you know, he, you want to remain optimistic that maybe after a few years when everything's healed up nice, he'll consider it. I'm sure everyone does, but it, you know, it, it really was nice to enjoy him on and off the field for the time that we had him, you know, dating back to, you know, like you guys said, the horseshoe guys, you know, just that era of play, you know, with playing with Manning and playing with all those guys that were just so genuine and so important to the environment and, you know, the attitude that surrounded, you know, the Colts horseshoe, it was something that it was just a classy organization. It always has been, you know, you look at, you know, some of the best fan bases in the world and, you know, hate to brag, but I feel like Indianapolis was up there, you know, perhaps in, in the racing years, they've gotten away from it, but this was a team that was so, so supportive of their team and the players on it. I mean, you know, Dalton, like you said, it was going to take more than a few losing seasons to make them, you know, get rid of their season tickets and stop buying merchandise. These guys were so genuine that even when they struggled, the city was right underneath of them to lift them up. And, you know, definitely sad to see McAfee go. You know, obviously, you, know, you have to wish him luck in his in his future endeavors. And, and just in the back of your mind as a Colts fan, you hope that there is some sort of return on the horizon. Well, I mean, this transcends, you know, beyond football, too. You're talking about a guy that was making millions of dollars and left it to pursue his passion. I mean, you you can't help but just just appreciate that. I mean, no matter what walk of life you're in, it's just that shows that not everything's about money. You should do what makes you happy and, and chase your dreams. So uh, I credit him for it, and I love, you know, I love the story, and I love everything he stands for, so – uh, you can't be mad at the guy. You just be upset as a football fan because you don't get to see him, uh, you know, on fourth down anymore. But uh, good luck to Pat, and I uh, wish him the best. And uh, I'm sure he's going to do fantastic because he's that type of guy. Guys, one thing that I wanted to touch on real quick, and we had an article go up about it, uh, what, two days ago, is uh, I've seen a lot of rumors and speculation, and really I think what it is is just hope from the fans that uh, – that the Colts are going to bring in these big name guys this off season. You know, they got a ton of cap space. I just don't think it's going to happen though, to be honest with you, you know, the, the pose and the Eric Berries and those guys of the world. Yeah. Ballard's coming from Kansas city, but it just doesn't make sense. You know, based on average market value, just for those two guys alone, you're looking at, you know, relatively 13 million and 9 million 
a piece in yearly salary. That's what twenty-two million for two players on a team. I mean, I, it's not going to be a strong contender for at least two years. You know, next year they're not going to go out and they're not going to win the Super Bowl. I'm sorry to tell you. You know, they might win 11, 12 games. They have a weak schedule. They're not going to win a Super Bowl next year unless something drastic happens. Chris Ballard is going to build this team up the right way through the draft, you know, their own guys. He's not going to go out here and spend, you know, millions and millions and try to be good enough to win the AFC South and then get blown up by the Patriots. See, I think one of those two guys I think would be w- worth paying for just because I really think he's that much of a, a game changer, and that is Eric Berry. I think if you have an opportunity, if Eric Berry's interested in coming to Indianapolis, you pay that guy what he wants to. Uh, another guy that I think you could probably get for a relatively good price just because he's had some off-the-field issues is uh, Chandler Jones. I'd like to see Chandler Jones in uh, blue and white because he can rush the passer. And you could probably get him for a decent price because he's kind of a jackass off the field, like the rest of his brothers, unfortunately. So uh, I'd like to see. I don't. I don't think Arthur Jones will be back. So maybe we just swap brothers, uh, you know. And, and maybe John Jones can, you know, quit giving his brothers illegal drugs, and they can stay clean, and uh, they can get after the passer. Because I mean, we rush the passer about as well as uh, Rosie O'Donnell runs up a hill. So uh, you know, let's let's uh, <laughs> we need some improvement <laughs> in that area. <laughs> yeah, I um, Dalton, I tend to agree with you. I don't think this is going to be a team that we drastically see turn around. I think that this is going to be a team much like, you know, your Seattle Seahawks, um, who find talent the draft. You know, they find this young talent and it gels, and you've got a defense and an offense that is so cohesive and just works together so well that even when <laughs> some of the pieces are a little weaker, you see just just absolute dominance. And you know, as a, as a fan, I would be slightly upset if they didn't spend at least some of the cap space that they're looking at because, you know, there are some holes you can fill in the draft and there are some positions where you just need not necessarily veteran as in 30-year-old, but, you know, been in the league a few years type leadership. Um, you know, I think other than Vonte, the defense you're looking at right now really lacks a true leader. You know, you've got guys like Walden. You had guys like Dequal Jackson. Um, Robert Mathis. Mathis obviously no longer here. Walden looking free agency in the face. You need a guy that's going to come in and anchor that defense. But I think long term, um, as far as winning years down the road and winning consistently, you need to hit the draft. And I feel like Ballard is the guy to do that. Now, Ballard, um, history has shown, is not afraid to go after you know those risque guys, the guys who have off-the-field issues, the guys who are unable to, you know, play, you know, a full season in college. You know, Tyreek Hill was was kicked out of college. Marcus Peters had some off-the-field issues of, uh, you know, of his own. But you look at these guys now, you know, Marcus Peters is playing at a Pro Bowl level. I mean, is just a ball-hawking corner. Um, and you've got, you know, Tyreek Hill, who was sentenced to three years probation for his crimes and is now one of the most electric returners in the league. You know, I don't condone that by any means. I don't, I'm not saying go out and draft these, you know, scumbags who can't keep it legal, but you know, Ballard has that history of, you know, drafting guys and not necessarily ignoring the past, but, you know, giving them a second chance um, in that sense. So, you know, I'm excited to see what the draft holds. I think I, I speak for all Colts fans 
when I say that I'm not going to have to worry about the Colts taking a wide receiver in the first round this year um, or, a, a, you know, a tight end or a quarterback or something dumb like that, like we would have expected Grigson to make. But, you know, definitely, Matt, your comment about the pass rush and Rosie O'Donnell is oh too accurate. I, I'm sick and tired of sitting down on Sundays and watching Rosie O'Donnell try to get up that hill, man. I think we really need to we need to get her some help. You know, we need to we need to do something to make that climb a little bit easier. Guys, if I could jump in here real quick. Uh, first of all, I'd like to let everybody at home know that uh, before the show started, we were talking, and uh, Aaron is actually a huge advocate for signing Aaron Hernandez. Uh, <laughs> he a free agent for a while. Hey, if, he can, if, he can, if, if he can murder defenses like he murders white women, then I'm all for it. <laughs> In all seriousness, though, I uh, I have in front of me here some stats from uh, from Kansas City. Nothing uh, nothing from the penitentiary or anything like that. So sorry, Aaron. But uh, so just to kind of uh, look at Kansas City's defense and where they went. Um, 2012 was the year before Ballard got there. Now, obviously, Ballard wasn't the general manager there, but he did have a key role in scouting. You know, he was one of the guys in the rooms when decisions were made. So 2012, before Ballard got there, the Chiefs went 2-14, and 14, and they were 25th in the NFL in defensive points per game allowed. They were bad. Not good, no. 2013, they were 5th in that statistic. 2014, they were 2nd. 15, they were 3rd. And 16, they were 7th. So all four of Ballard's years there, they were in the top ten, which is pretty outstanding from where they were the year before. Um, also, as far as takeaways go, now this stat I was only able to track back until 2014. But even in 2014, now keep in mind that defense was still second in the league in points per game allowed. But 2014, they were 21st in takeaways. They had six interceptions and seven fumbles. Wow. It is what it is. 2015, obviously the guys that made the decision saw that they needed to change that. Because in 2015, they were second in the league in takeaways with an astounding 22 interceptions and seven fumbles. And then going into last year, they again got better with the likes of Marcus Peters and those those guys up along the uh, the defensive front with uh, finishing first in takeaways with 18 interceptions and 15 fumbles. Oh. So, I mean, that defense that Ballard helped build was outstanding. You know, the last two years they've averaged – opponents have averaged less than 19 points per game against them in both years. The key thing about that is if anybody remembers a statistic involving 19 points per game in the Colts recently, I believe it was uh, Colin Cowherd who pointed out, Andrew Luck is 25-0 when the defense holds opponents 19 points or less. Yeah, you got shit happen. You you've got to build the guy a defense. You know you're wasting him, and that's that's kind of the the blunt way of putting it. You're wasting luck. The guy needs a defense. Um, you know the offensive line, whether or not people want to believe it, is 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 coming together. But the defense, man, you get that guy a defense that produces even half of what Kansas City's producing, and then and you're talking championship. I mean, it doesn't even have to be top five in the league. I mean, just just do something more than we're doing now. I mean, like literally, I, I mean, I could team up with Clay Aiken and nine fat chicks, and I, I think I can run the ball in our defense. It's 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 awful. We just can't stop anybody. 
And I mean, even even luck when it, you know, even when we get a lead, we we can't uh, we can't hold the lead. I mean, how many games were we winning this year? And our defense just shit the bed and and let these teams come back. I mean, we just have to get something. You know, Peyton. How many times did Peyton have an elite defense when he was in Indy? Maybe two or three years, top ten defense. Matt, can and, I ask a question real quick? Not ten. Go minutes. ahead. But um, if you shit the bed, do you wash the covers or do you just throw them away? Well, I I, I can tell you one thing: never take a uh, sleeping pill and a laxative in the same night. Because I once had to buy a new mattress. <laughs> so you just get rid of all of it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I mean what what did Peyton ever have a top ten defense here? Maybe in two thousand five. And uh unfortunately we you know we, we lost to the Steelers. So Peyton never had an, a quote unquote elite defense here, uh and still made moves. But the thing is, you know, we could our defense could play with the league because we could rush the passer. So if we were up on guys, we forced them to throw the ball. And if they're throwing the ball, then it, they play to our strengths because we could get after the passer. So, I mean, we don't have to, ha- quote, unquote, have an elite defense, but just better than what we have now. Uh, I think pass rush is, is clearly our, our biggest need because um, I think our secondary is a little underrated. They're, I think they're better than most people give them credit for. But, I mean, if a quarterback's got so much time to throw the ball, it, it'll pick apart any defense. Guys are going to eventually get open. So, uh, you know, I think by by uh, increasing our pass rush and and uh, making that better, it's really going to make a de- difference for our defense. You know, so I, I think that should definitely be our biggest need in the offseason. Uh, that's with the draft and free agency. Well, Vontae sure as hell ain't getting any younger, so uh, that's for sure. But uh, I mean, Vontae, what, what how old's Vontae? Twenty nine. I mean, he's he's in his prime. So I, I you know I could see Vontae being at the top of his game for another five six years. You know, with corners, I mean, Vontae, Vontae, I wouldn't say Vontae's a speed speed demon. Vontae uh, plays good in uh, space. He's more, I mean, he's a straight cover corner, dude. The guy's, uh, he doesn't get enough credit. When Vontae, when Vontae Davis is healthy, that that player doesn't catch any balls. I mean, he just doesn't. The quarterback doesn't even look at the end of the field. And uh, I think Vontae looked a little down this year because he was unhealthy for most of the year. But I, in my opinion, Vontae Davis is an elite corner. And I think we have two young safeties. Uh, TJ Green made a lot of mistakes this year, but I think Clayton Gathers, if he stays healthy, is going to be a playmaker. And I think we need—we definitely do need a right corner. Uh, that's that's to be determined. Uh, I think uh, Melvin uh, made some big plays this year, but uh, I don't see him being a starter long term. I would like us to keep Butler. Uh, he's a good nickel corner, but uh, he's not a starter in my opinion. Uh, but I would like to see, keep Butler just for the simple fact that he can all, he can play nickel and he can play safety when we do have injuries. But uh, I think uh, getting a right corner is important and, and pass rush. That, those, sh- uh, those should be some of our biggest uh, biggest needs in the offseason. All right, guys. Well, uh, I think we will close it off there. Just wanted to thank all our viewers. Um, we hit 55,000-plus views last month. So that's awesome. Thank you for your support. It means the world. Um, you know, maybe if we could get guys like Aaron to to contribute some articles, we'd get to 60000 in a month. But, you know, hey, can't get blood out of a turnip. I so, will say, um, just throwing it out there real quick, um, regarding McAfee, obviously, sad to see him go. Um, definitely go try to check out the article top five McAfee, McAfee moments titled saying goodbye to boomstick um, reminisce with me um, you know and you guys 
you guys, if you're as upset as I am about this, you need you know you, you need some way to cope. So let that be it. Let me be your coping mechanism. What a shameless plug. Um, and I, he I, also I, sells he also sells Lularoe, ladies. If you'd like to uh, to check that out, just go to facebook.com backslash Aaron is a woman. Again, that's facebook.com backslash Aaron is a woman. Starting Mary Kay next month, so. Hey, Aaron, I'm telling you right now, my, my nuts will not fit in, in a single pair of leggings. My balls will not fit in a single pair of leggings. We probably got something for you, man. I hope so. Jesus. Hey, one more thing before we go off, guys. Go Falcons. Fuck the Patriots. I hope Tom Brady breaks his legs. Uh, and I mean that in a Christian way. Go Falcons. Just saying, I called Falcons 38-24 two weeks ago, so we'll see if I'm right. Two touchdowns. Ballsy. So, uh, without further ado, thank you for listening to Blue HQ Media's Wildly Inappropriate. And uh, have a fucking great night.